Welcome to Let's Talk Faith and Justice. My name is Lyndon, pronouns he, him. And my name is Boston, pronouns he, him. And I've been gone for a couple of episodes, but I'm back now. Um, and today we wanted to talk about multi-faith relationships and our experiences with multi-faith relationships. Um, it's something that I personally, I think is really important. Um, and I feel like we don't do a lot of it in, in Victoria, at least. I don't know how you feel or what your experience has been. Yeah, I mean, I guess part of my role as both a Lutheran pastor and then part-time working at the multi-faith center uh, on campus, I get to interact with a few more folks that way. Um, but often I'm more aware of things happening rather than participating in them schedule-wise. So, yeah, the reality is it could be doing more kinds of multi-faith activities potentially. Yeah, I forgot. Sorry, actually, we did talk, obviously, about what the order that we were going to talk about things. We did it yesterday, and so I forgot what order we were going to talk about them. And we were going to talk about multi-faith first. That's right, at the University of Victoria. That's where we were going to start. And I just kind of started a bit wider, with a bit of a wider scope. Right. Um, well, maybe just to give people a bit of a rundown, because uh, much like campus radio, right? Not every student knows that CFUV is in the basement of the sub of the Student Union Building at University of Victoria in British Columbia. Um, I think not all the students at UVic know there is a multi-faith center. It's a pretty non-assuming, kind of cool 70s West Coast building that's right beside Finity Gardens near the entrance. But it's such a sprawling campus. It's not a place you would ever need to go past unless you're looking for it or unless you're going for a walk in the garden or you're actually looking for a multi-faith activity. Um, so the good news about it is there are um, a lot of faith groups represented. What's tricky is that we tend to be overrepresented by faith groups mainly Christians, but there are some others where we can, groups that can afford paid staff. So the church where I serve here, Lutheran Church of the Cross, allows me to be there for a half day a week or so. Um, and that's true that some Jewish and Muslim groups are able to do that. Um, but some of the faith groups, like Buddhist groups, don't necessarily have paid staff who can fill that role. So once it becomes fully volunteer, like none of us are paid by University of Victoria, uh, apart from some admin people who do admin work on behalf of UVic, um, then it's up to that religious group to fund that person's hours or for someone to fully just give their time for free. So it does lead to a bit of an imbalance of who can afford to have someone present. Um, but the things we do there are kind of equal. We each have programming. We can lead everything from yoga to meditation groups to inclusive Christians that you and I are part of. 
which is a queer inclusive Christian group with a meal. There's a pet cafe that is sort of, uh, you know, door, the door crasher offering that everyone can come see the dogs. Uh, and so a hundred students come every week just to hang out with the dogs and chat and have coffee and tea. So that's a, a little overview. And then there are student-led groups of which you're aware of where the students take the majority of the initiative and they just need a spiritual care provider who can like open and close the door and kind of monitor things. Yeah, it's it's interesting at the multi-faith center because I have that one I also think I feel like we could be doing better sometimes. I don't know. I just I feel like um there's always so much activity. Like it's almost I know um inclusive Christians did a Bible study um last year and it was almost impossible to find any room because the the center is so busy all the time. We were given a small space in the kitchen with like three chairs and like that's and it was like that was like monday night at like 6 p.m which you wouldn't think that it would be that busy but it was so busy that that was like the only space and time that we could get and we don't actually i feel like there's not a lot of overlap between everyone kind of has their separate it seems like has their separate time slot and does their thing and then leaves for the next group to come in um i know but there have been things since I've been here. I know we had Leslie, who's now Pastor Leslie in Nanaimo. Um, what is, what is her church? I think it's St. Philip's, right? I can't remember right. Yeah, it's St. Philip's. Um, when she was doing her internship with the Vancouver School of Theology at UVic, she kind of brought over something for VST called Abraham's Table, which was a collaboration between, you know, herself and um like the muslim spiritual care provider and the jewish spiritual care provider just to make those connections and i think i well that was i went to a few of them i spoke at one and that was really awesome it seemed like a really awesome simple opportunity to just get together with other faith groups and talk about you know i mean i think the the goal of that was to almost kind of educate one another on each other's faiths but i think there's a lot of potential yeah, and I think I think you're right that those kind of relationship building things they require a lot of work, but they're rewarding. Um, I know that program wasn't always easy because the attendance could be low, depending on what it was, and that's that can be a harsh reality sometimes. That uh, what attracts students to events isn't always a multi-faith event. Um, but I wonder if we could be building relationships with this, the other student groups. I wonder if that would be the way to go as a point to start, as a, um, rather than trying to create a program and see who might show up. Uh, I think, I mean, Abraham's table was a great success and is good to build on that. I wonder, like, when you have, like, a very large Muslim students group, um, if we just meet directly students with students and whoever the leaders might be uh, and start there. Because I know something that you sometimes say is missing are, like, political actions 
and opportunities to connect with other students and that that is missing because a programming driven thing, as you say, like people will show up for their meditation hour or their yoga thing or a lead a running group. Um, and so people tend to associate it with the thing or two that they do um, and don't necessarily see it as a hub for community organizing necessarily. And often it does attract a wide array of students. Like there are students who have no interest in religion at all who go there, right? Yeah. And so for them, it's a source of community, um, but they might be interested in some kind of spirituality that's completely disconnected from religious groups. And so I think that's where some of the disconnect is as, as well, that we, we don't always share a common purpose of why we're, we're there. So it's already quite fragmented to begin with. But I wonder if we look for like-minded students in different religious groups who want to be doing progressive justice work, that would be our starting point. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, yeah, I, uh, I agree. And just, I, just cause yeah, I, I think, I think that there, like I said, there's so much potential that we could be doing things with other students. And I like that idea of students, student groups with student groups, because I know like, like we're saying, um, you know, the half day or whatever you are allowed to be there that you get allocated to be there that's not a lot of time between like you help run a uh, run a running group you you know you lead a running group and you also help with inclusive christians around the table that we do every wednesday night that right there is like the half day and we also do this podcast and this podcast is <laughs> yeah, a campus yeah. activity so it's those three things um but i think i could make time for the kind of community building and as I mentioned uh, before we were recording, we had someone reach out to me via the church, uh, some folks who are helping with some of the, the Palestinian rally organizers and looking at inviting on a, a Jewish guest who is sympathetic to uh, raising awareness about people in Gaza. So we're looking at setting that up. So I do think in that sense, we're already expanding the circle where circles are overlapping between campus and the wider community. That if we have a forward-facing church presence, which we do with a sign and our online presence at Church of the Cross, and then we do that to some degree on campus, and more so with a, with a podcast, that people slowly get to discover us and we can have more of those conversations um, but I think what you're describing is like finding people who have those similar interests because we're, we're not necessarily going to have overlapping interests with people who are looking for a very specific thing that, that they want to attend for one hour and then leave. Or maybe they meet for coffee with other students in that same group but they don't always have a justice orientation necessarily. 
uh, or not one that intersects religion and justice. That's a very specific intersection, and it's not especially popular in, um, I was going to say the Pacific Northwest, but recently comedian uh, from the U.S. who told us to have some self-respect in Canada and call it the uh, the Pacific Southwest for for Canada that we shouldn't uh, we shouldn't you know, adopt the geography that applies to Washington State and Oregon. I like that Pacific Southwest. Sounds tropical, <laughs> right? Yeah. But no, I see what you mean. Absolutely. Um, I don't know. I guess I'd like these uh, these things that we get so used to. Like, I mean, I can't. I don't think I could have. You know, let let's talk about faith and justice. There's not. I think I said this in one of the first episodes, but like, there's not. To me, there isn't faith without justice and justice without faith. And so it's kind of hard for me to even conceptualize that. Like that not being an intersection, you know what I mean? It's hard. Right. And sometimes, right, you can get things can run aground where you can have overlapping interests with groups, say, for environmental reasons. But then you bring in Indigenous concerns, and sometimes you get well-intentioned white people who will say, oh, well, I want to protect these trees or I want to do this thing regardless of whatever the indigenous groups say. And you're like, oh, okay. Let's, <laughs> yeah. uh, let's take a time out for a minute here and see what, what are we actually doing? Um, so I think the more kinds of those over, you know, for lack of a better word, identities or ways we're going to talk about that, um, that we can account for, I think the richer the conversation's gonna be. And I don't think you have to be religious to even, right? There's people showing up for the rallies for Palestine who um, aren't religious per se, but want to defend the rights of, of Muslims who they feel are underrepresented or Jewish voices that are not getting heard. Yeah. Um, and so I think it is possible to have those conversations without it, without a person having to be religious. Yeah. But for us, it is part of who we are. And yeah. so we do find that interesting. And I think a lot of social movements have been grounded in, in faith, right? If we look at the civil rights movement for Christians, for sure, and, and other movements, because I think what we're seeing, say, with the environmental movement right now, is a kind of burnout and nihilism with some people where if it's not grounded in faith, that they're like, well, what? The corporations and capitalism is winning. Our governments are bought and paid for. Everyone's thinking very short term about re-election or keeping their jobs or whatever. Um, And so we need some kind of wellspring that gives us energy beyond the kind of nihilism we're seeing. So I think a multi-faith approach to some justice issues is important, both for people of faith and people who aren't part of a faith community, that that's going to strengthen the kind of solidarity movements we want to be part of. Absolutely. 
And so I'm wondering if we can kind of um, now we can zoom out a little bit and look at Victoria widely. I know you were just saying kind of, I mean, it's, they're not totally exclusive things. Like you were just saying, they can, they, there can be overlap, but I'm, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm always, I kind of came into it late in the game. You know what I mean? I wasn't, I didn't grow up religious and I didn't also didn't grow up in Victoria. And so I don't know all of the histories here. Um, but something that I thought was interesting, I had a chance to go to Quebec last summer with the Canadian Council of Churches. And something that it see, I mean, from the outside looking in, at least it seemed like there was a lot of, or, or not, maybe not a lot, but even like just a good amount of multi-faith relations. There, there were, you know, mosques and synagogues and churches all kind of doing it like there, there wouldn't be regularly but often like either leadership or yeah like the congregation or the members that are part of it were meeting together and they were holding events together and i almost have never i don't think i've ever actually seen that in victoria like i know that we have at you know we have a lot of churches here i mean talk about ecumenism i've never i've been to maybe like three churches in the city and there's probably 30 but um i've never been to any of the i think there's at least one mosque here or maybe a couple i think there's two i've never been to uh, either of them mm-hmm. yeah yeah at I least wrong? one Am mosque I... and maybe a, a muslim community center yeah yeah i think it's tricky to to both find and fund uh imams for yeah. these communities which often have a lot of recent uh, refugees and immigrants. So you get back to privilege and who can afford different kinds of resources that yeah. it is a privilege to be able to have paid clergy of some kind. Yeah. Um, and so you end up with an imam who's responsible for like much of Victoria, which would be a massive Muslim population. Yeah. So. That there it was hard sometimes to meet. Uh, I've met the current imam uh, who's been there just over a year. Uh, the previous one, we would have coffee appointments and like the majority of them would get canceled because he literally was on call for emergencies all the time and would have to be attending to something. So it was hard to to do some of those things. So, but we're, I'm getting to know some other Muslim leaders in town and yeah, I, I think there is definitely room, room to grow. And so I don't know if it's an Island thing. You know, it is a predominantly white population here that where the immigrant refugee population is growing, but it's not as diverse as say Vancouver and certainly not as diverse as Montreal I mean Quebec city. I don't know what that it wouldn't be the same as Montreal, but they might have some longer lasting ties in different ways. So I feel like there's small pockets of that. Like I've gone to events at the mosque and events at Congregation Emmanuel, the Jewish congregation downtown. And those are all pretty close together, uh, pretty, you know, close-ish to downtown, all of them. Uh, and so I feel like I've been able to develop some relationships 
that way. And our congregation has sponsored some refugees together with Congregation Emmanuel. So that helps build rapport, things like that. Um, but we're all fairly small communities. So yeah. a lot of the other communities are, are relatively small. Maybe uh, Muslims and Sikhs are both growing. Uh, and it'd be interesting to, to build some relationships there. And I think just like building relationships with students on campus, which is something we would have to pursue. Yeah, it's, and I was going to also say, yeah, bring up the the local synagogues and like the Gurdwara that is here. It's because um, that's something that we also talked about, that there there seems to be a large sick population in Victoria. And uh, yeah, it's just it's I don't know. It's interesting to me. I've always wondered why there isn't more. But yeah, like you said, I mean, I know communities, it seems like maybe lots of communities of faith are getting smaller and smaller and more um, and more responsibility. I think with the demographic shift too, that with mainline churches, we have a predominantly older population. And so people sometimes reminisce about when they held large community dinners and maybe it's been a few years, certainly pre-COVID for many. And so the idea of capacity for some of these things has changed where we're having our Lenten soup suppers here at the church on Thursdays with evening prayer. And right, it can be a challenge just to get people, enough people to sign up to provide soup and, and bread for a simple meal midweek because it tends to be older people who have the time in their schedule to help support that. And then people with kids uh, tend to be just, uh, would become busier with more sports and arts commitments, which are all good, but that that becomes a thing. It's harder for someone to take on an extra thing. If, if you just get people to show up, that's a huge deal. And now if you're asking someone, could you, do you have the capacity to help lead some of this or build relationships or host, host a meeting or a, a meal, um, there's not as many people uh, ready to do that. But I do wonder if we shift our understanding of who we are as church, right? And we tap into those people looking for a church home and might be looking for more multi-faith kinds of opportunities that we might be surprised. So I think, it, yeah, it would be short-sighted to say that people aren't interested but it's about we first have to like build a relationship with the people who are interested in order to build our own capacity for some of that. But it could come by reaching out and start doing some more multi-faith things. And then we might be surprised who hears about it and wants to join in. Yeah, that's uh, that's what I was going to kind of ask you next is how how you imagine could start having better multi-faith relationships in the city? Um, well, I think about having two people who contacted me saying, hey, your congregation seems progressive. Would you support some of the rallies for Palestine down at the legislature or more broadly? Um, so we just met briefly and talked about it. 
and said, well, you know, it'd be really great if you showed up sometime and then say hi to us and um, we could do an event together. Um, so I think that's where it starts with building up trust and, and those things. And we're co-sponsoring some, uh, some refugees with folks from Congregation Emmanuel. So kind of building on those relationships with Jewish and Muslim partners, that seemed to be where my energy is at the moment, but I'd be interested. There's a, what the seat groups are doing. They have a lot of feeding programs. Um, and, and sometimes with even a small number of people, they put do an incredible amount there. Um, so I think there are some opportunities, uh, with that more so than say the kind of West coast spirituality stuff that there might be some overlap. There might be some curiosity about Christian practices. So I don't want to diminish that, but I've often found I have less to talk about with, if someone just wants to go to their hour of meditation and that's it, or they might also have overlapping interests with environmental things, but they're not really interested in, religion or a religious organization and that that's a little trickier whereas say with inclusive christians we've got students many of whom are queer who may have experienced religious trauma but they're still interested in some kind of christian expression that's welcoming so you need to have some kind of common ground there to build relationship and if someone wants a more individualized approach to that, that they can just do on their own, then that's not really a community. It doesn't have to be a community-based thing. I mean, some people do go join groups for it. In the same way, I don't know, if I go to the gym or something, I'm happy to see the people at the gym, but I'm not necessarily becoming friends with them in the same way. I'm like happy to say hi if I recognize someone. And some people treat, whether it's yoga or whatever it might be, just as this individual activity they do, that they find value in it. But for them, it's not maybe a source of lasting community because maybe, you know, your class schedule changed and now you don't do yoga at this time of the day. Now you do it another time of the day and you go to a different place for it. And that's just the way it goes. And then you meet these people who go to that yoga group and you're happy to see them, but it doesn't necessarily build into a larger community thing. Yeah. My grandma would disagree with you. She has, uh, I think that's where most of her friends are now are at the gym, but, uh, they're at the gym. Well, good for her. Yeah, She's real I think I could. Yeah. Um, no, sorry. I, put you on the spot a little bit just for greater community. I, I don't think this is necessarily true, but sometimes it feels as though as just like a, a congregant, you know what I mean? It's not, uh, you don't have the same sort of, I don't know, connections or like, I don't want to say status sounds kind of weird, but you know, like you are a, a pastor at a local church and you, so you kind of help, you know, lead the church and you can kind of, and it just sometimes feels like it's like a, just a congregant that, what am I going to call up the imam and say, Hey, what, like, what are the opportunities? And maybe, it, yeah, very well could, but 
it just doesn't doesn't feel the same. I don't know how to explain it. Right. Well, that's where people bring ideas and then we could work on something together. And I shouldn't diminish these other groups because a lot of people are finding community that way. Like, for example, I'm in a running clinic that meets most months of the year. And for some people, that is their friend group because they are sticking with the same running community of like 200 people. That's how big the clinic is. And they end up organizing runs outside of the regularly scheduled ones. They go have brunch at each other's homes. Like it does become a full scale community where people care for each other and stuff. And so for some people that has replaced uh, being part of a religious community. Um, I think one thing that can sometimes be missing with that, whatever the activity might be in, or if your kids are in soccer, you might very well become very close friends with the other families whose kids also have four practices in a game a week. And because you see them like almost as much as you see your family, right? If you're spending eight hours a week at soccer practice and game, that's a lot of time outside of work or school. Um, but the, the one thing that is often missing, now that there's the shared connection for the sport or the activity or the art, um, but a sense of being called to do some act of justice, a call to love your neighbor beyond like the people who are in your club or group. It's, it's, you know, sometimes we'll take up a collection of used shoes or something like that, right? There'll be some symbolic thing where runners have a stupid amount of shoes because we burn through them so quickly, but they're still could be used for walking, just not running long distances. So we can take those to our place or wherever people who have literally no shoes, um, that could be a helpful thing. Um, but the question is like, how do we respond to the kind of crippling effect of capitalism that's eroded community and fragmented society? How do we respond to that? Not many civic groups are taking up that question. Then like maybe workers unions, uh, community organizing groups, which tend to be small, uh, and then religious groups have a capacity if they choose. And there is a history of Christians taking that on. Um, but it's rare that, right, I think I've found there are, like, unions willing to, right, march in solidarity or do that work or show up to the legislature. It's rare that these other civic groups are willing to go there. Be like, oh well, I like to go for coffee with you, and you know, I hope I hope you have a really good rally, or I hope you have really that you're really successful at this thing you're trying to do, but they're not necessarily going to show up, right? If I if I try to make an announcement about that at one of these other kind of groups, someone would probably say, "We're kind of out of line. That's not what we're here for." Yeah. Why are you making a political statement or a religious statement out of in this context? This doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, so then I think you you quickly feel like, oh, so the, the the strength of the bonds are maybe not as strong. 
in for that for that kind of community building work that we're talking about. So that's where I think we can. I think the you're absolutely right. The multi faith bonds we need to strengthen, and so too with the workers unions and like minded community organizing groups. If we could get a soccer club or a running group or whoever who would like really go full on for something, that would be amazing. But my experience is that it's not where the organizer's interest is at. They're not going to necessarily give you a platform to even mention that uh, without it feeling like you're overstepping boundaries. And I don't mean proselytizing like, hey, come come follow Jesus, become a Christian. I'm talking about, hey, do you feel like work-life balance is becoming, you know, uh, nearly impossible and that that corporations are kind of destroying the planet and our lives, what could we do about that? That's going to be met with crickets at most civic groups. Which is funny because I'm sure a lot of people do feel that that balance is impossible and, and feel all those things. So it's kind of funny that it's, it would be seen as overstepping um, yeah, I think you probably would find like-minded people there, but I think, you know, the organizers would get very nervous very quickly and worry about who you're alienating and who's going to be upset by this. So that's kind of a non-starter, but there could be like lower level things that that might be possible because I do think we, I think that's a real question though, because that's where most people are spending their time, right? Outside of work and school, which is where, or if we're caring for things at home that beyond that, then it's a lot of these more sports groups, civic groups, arts groups. Um, that is where we're spending our time. And if we can't take up serious questions, about our mutual well-being, then, like, where is it going to happen? Yeah. Absolutely. I'm just looking at the time. I think we've been, I don't know, I don't actually know how long we've been going for, but it's been a good, I think we're at about, like, 30, 40 minutes. Um, so maybe should wrap up. Um yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I have any closing thoughts. I think these, like, yeah, I see potential both at a university-specific level with the student groups and also community-wide. And it is, I feel like often our conversations end with us like, okay, hey, we got to do something like this. And I'm like, okay, hey, yeah, we got to start doing them. You've just signed us up for building relationships with multi-faith <laughs> partners. So Yeah, we got to do it. We got to do it now. Yeah, but we should say our thank yous. Um, today, neither of us are in the studio. I'm at my home in James Bay, and you are at Lutheran. I am Church. literally in the sacristy at Lutheran Church of the Cross because there's a community ukulele group. Bless their hearts, for practicing next to my office. And I, I could not hear myself think. <laughs> no. um, it would be hard to record, uh, but you get you know what we are missing is a Beatles version of, uh, I don't know if it was Hey Jude or, or what it was uh, on ukulele. So, um, so I'm sorry you missed that. 
Yeah. But uh, I can I can uh, hear the sound of my own voice in this small room. Yeah, good. But still, thank you to CFUV because we often record there, and we have our they host our our podcast on all their Spotify and website and stuff like that. So thank you to CFUV and thank you to Multifaith and thank you to Inclusive Christians. Thank you to Church of the Cross, where you are, and the BC Synod for supporting the work. And I, anything else? Anyone? Any other thanks that we should give? Uh, I think I think that's it. So yeah, thanks thank everyone you, for listening. And we are going to have a multi faith like a uh, episode come out with a guest shortly. So we're lining up some of those guests right now. So I look forward to that. Yeah, we got some interesting guests we've been talking about, so we gotta we gotta start arranging those because uh, it'll be there's some good ones. Yeah, yeah, just to get everyone excited. But yes, thank you for listening, and we'll you'll hear us soon. <laughs>